0: Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Aroussi. And I'm Jason Aroussi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. All right, so welcome back to Multifamily Live. We have a repeat guest on the show today, Amir Dukic. Hey, Amir, how you doing? Hey, Jason. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. And so it's now time number three. There's been a lot of time in between the last time we spoke. Of course, pre-COVID, would we'll put it that. But uh, a little bit yeah. about Amir. Is he is the CEO and founder of Rabu, an up-and-coming startup based here in the QC that speaks to one of the world's most popular conversations these days, the shared economy. Duke Kitchen and his team are working to create a new experience in the space. And Rabu specifically is a boutique property rental brand that offers guests to the sh- Charlotte area accommodations with high levels of personalization and standard standardization, which is a word that I probably need to say about 50 times to get it once right. But Amir, welcome back. Talk to us, man. What, what have you been up to and what's been happening um, over the course of now over a year uh, of different um, rental patterns, I'm sure you've been seeing out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be back. And yeah, I mean, man, that, that description you just had uh, just kind of takes me back to where things used to be. Uh, you know, the company has, has evolved since since last we spoke. We have actually transformed a little bit to be more of a, a platform that helps uh, your listeners or uh, property investors identify um, short-term rentals as an asset class. So we've taken a step back from ourselves of actually creating a short-term rental brand as we've gotten more, as we've been approached by more property investors who want to get in this space and have transitioned to be more of an asset management platform where we, have, where we help property investors understand the short-term rental asset class, uh, midterm rentals, and how they can best capitalize revenue in that space. So, you know, we've, we've made a little bit of a transformation, uh, and that's because we've seen the demand for this space uh, explode even through COVID. It's been, it's been quite a year.
0: How has it changed now with the demand? Has, has it basically just, there, there was a pause for a moment and just went back to status quo, or have you seen a shift in the way that demand has happened across different types of short-term rentals? I think it's been
1: an evolution. So, you know, to take you back to March of last year, I think it was right around St. Patrick's Day uh, where, uh, you know, COVID really became real in the United States where, you know, we started uh, seeing the stock market plummet uh, and, uh, you know, the lockdown start to take effect. So what happened on our end or in the short-term rental world is Airbnb said, hey guys, we understand that nobody should be traveling, we're going to allow anybody to cancel and get a full refund on their traditional state. So, what should have been peak seasonality for us, peak revenue months, you know, April, May, June, into the summer, all of a sudden were wiped clean. Um, and rightfully so, you know, it was not the right time to travel uh, in, you know, in the late spring, early summer of, of last year. So what we decided to do with our product, again, fully furnished homes, primarily single family, but a lot of multifamily, was to start offer those homes as uh, midterm rentals. So rentals for 14 plus day stays. Um, and we were hoping just to utilize you know, that strategy to help you know, help uh, our investors that we work with capture, capture some revenue on their portfolio. But next thing we knew, we had record occupancies uh, and we started seeing people migrate into these homes um, because they gave them more, more privacy and more space. Uh, so we saw a lot of people, our homes are primarily in the Southeast. We saw a lot of people move down from the North, uh, from New York uh, and from other states up North. To, to to the South uh, and live in larger homes. Um, and the way they would initially do that is by staying in a short term rental. We started kind of term midterm rentals um, because what COVID had done, while you know obviously a terrible pandemic, it had accelerated one piece uh, of the way we live uh, and, and work. And that's the remote work aspect. So people were no longer tied to being, to living in the area where they lived. Uh, so to work in there where they lived, so they decided to move elsewhere where the quality of life uh, was was better. So we saw a migration of people coming down south to the southeast uh, and looking to rent short term rentals, Airbnbs for multiple weeks at a time, so that they can you know live more comfortably than they could, for example, nothing against New York, but in a small New York apartment, right? Uh, so uh, what really happened as a result of COVID, people realized they can work from anywhere and that they were not tied to a geographic location uh, and you know, then a need emerged for furnished rental homes. Um, and that's where, you know, the short-term rentals, the Airbnbs were able to to supply uh, a, a supply product that,
0: that met this demand. So with that said, have you now pushed further into the midterm rental market with acquiring assets specifically term for that? Or are you now seeing there's a transition back to the shorter, you know, average one, two, three-day turnaround times?
1: Yeah, it, it's really it's interesting. It's it's becoming more market specific. Uh, we have definitely seen a, a large influx of uh, of uh, properties being used for midterm rentals. You know, probably closer to your traditional corporate stays, but the clients aren't just corporate brands, aren't just companies. They're everyday people. Uh, but in in certain markets, in vacation markets, for example, we've actually seen a return for short-term rental demand, and that's because uh, short-term rentals are more COVID-friendly and social distance-friendly. Than your traditional hotel would be right because you have a, a full home to yourself that, and you can keep uh, you know social distance um, and you don't have to worry about being in a hotel room with 300 rooms with people from 300 different locations potentially carrying you know the 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 disease. So uh, really, this type of product became much more popular as people you know uh, travel slowed down. Uh, you know, but it didn't necessarily stop. Uh, and it became more drive to destination travel versus fly to destination travel. So people started driving to places um, and looking for full homes through Airbnbs and short term rentals to stay there. So it really became a mixture of either people are coming and utilizing our product for multiple weeks to multiple months at a time, to people utilizing our product for a few days because it was more, they wanted to travel still. And this was deemed a more safe option.
0: What so. was typically the occupancy the rates you would see across properties pre-COVID to where, where you're seeing it now with with a slightly change in model?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. So pre-COVID, you know, it'd be considered a, a good property to have about a 65 to 70% occupancy. That really means that you're kind of optimizing for your daily rate and for, um, you know, the, the, the occupancy. What, what you want to do is you don't want to undercharge and have 100% occupancy. You really want to be in a 65 to 75% uh, sweet spot. Um, and once COVID hit, we priced pretty aggressively and found ourselves at 92% occupied, which really, which made us realize just one, it was great because we were able to generate revenue during a time when hotels were down significantly, but it also kind of sh- showed us that we probably priced too aggressively, that the demand is there and that we could have lowered the price point and still, uh, I mean, increase the price point and still seen some, some good occupancy. Uh, so, uh, it's been really a shift towards from 65% occupancy. Now we're in that 70% range because we're still trying to figure out with COVID what the best mixture is. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the demand is certainly there. Um, our, you know, we still manage doors under our portfolio. We have close to 150 now and we are fully occupied on the weekends again. Um, and that's a mixture of monthly stays and daily and weekly stays. So It's been really, it's been a really interesting um, 12 months to say the least.
0: Has now, of course, you talked about a lot of cities, um, of course, having people moving out to to larger homes that are outside the cities. Um, how are you now identifying new properties um, to help potentially your clients you work with um, find new ones for them for their portfolio? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, so what we've done, we've actually built a tool uh, that's at data.rabu.com, So D-A-T-A.rabbu, R-A-B-B-U.com, where what we do is we're a technology company. So what we've done is We've built a tool that goes into the marketplaces that are utilized for short-term rentals and medium-term rentals, the Airbnbs, the Burbos, the Zillows, Expedias. Uh, and we've started pulling data from those marketplaces on a daily basis to understand what the market occupancy is and then what the market uh, uh daily rate is. And we've that translated we've translated that into our tool where if you tap in an address, we you go to that tool, you tap in an address and the bedroom count, we'll give you an instantaneous overview of. Uh, how much you should expect to make on a monthly basis, and we'll give you the comps that show you uh, these are the, the properties that we compared it to to get to this uh, estimated revenue number. So we've made it really easy uh, to do so based on data, uh, live data from the marketplaces that uh, are sourced for short-term and medium-term tenants. Got it. And this tool, you can use nationwide, so you can put it in the address of yeah. the market to see where it you fall. Right now, we uh, only have it running for 13 states. It's the it's the primary states. Uh, so it's all of the Southeast, uh, the big states along the West Coast and some of the big states in 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 the North, the Northeast. Uh, and we plan to expand to the rest of the United States. But right now, it's 13 states. And I can share with those of you, uh, Jason, after this call, maybe you can put that in the show notes. But uh, sure. we plan to expand that to all 50
0: states. But right now, it's uh, th- the 13 largest states in the country. Doing this, what has been some of the main um, aha's you've had from analyzing new properties in these thirteen states?
1: Yeah, really, it's a shift on the investor side, even on the institutional investor side, that they realize that this is a demand that is likely to stick around after uh, COVID, and so we've seen a lot of institutional groups come to us and say, "Hey, we believe that this is a trend that we want to start account for going forward. We believe that a resident Want to have more flexibility in the leases that they sign, whether they only sign a lease for a few months at a time or they have the ability to do what's called home sharing, basically the ability to sign a one year lease and then give them the flexibility to go travel elsewhere for a couple months where they rent their home outside as short term rentals while they're gone. Uh, so we're seeing a much more uh, kind of adoption of this new, what we call an asset class, right? A new asset class, a more flexible asset class, a flexible rental asset class. So Uh, That's been really interesting for us to see is that the institutional groups are starting to see this trend. Obviously, the kind of more nimble smaller investor groups are the ones leading charge here but institutions are starting to realize it and we believe this is something that's going to become a a much larger uh, undertaking uh, and much more normalized
0: going forward. you know, I've actually seen a lot of um, debt options start opening up for this, this as well. Where before there was very limited options, right? And so, i yeah, I'm very curious. I've seen a couple of things pop up. Have you um, heard of Picasso? That started that they're yeah. T- what it was your take on Picasso and the way they're doing it? Uh, I
1: love it. I mean, I think uh, that their, their model is, is genius. It's really a combination of fractional ownership and of utilizing short-term rentals to drive yield. It's, it's you know, it's great. And there's been multiple companies that are starting to do uh, variations of this. Um, you know, we've, you know, RealPage is making some investment into, into something like this, into, into this space. Brookfield is looking into it hard. So, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of demand shift. And the other big kind of shift that we've seen, and I'm sure you've talked about this a little bit, uh, Jason, or seen it yourself, is uh, the hotelification trend where uh, uh, investors will buy a distressed hotel and convert it into a micro apartment multifamily complex and then utilize that multifamily complex as a mixture of short, medium, and long-term stays to drive revenue uh, because hotels... Are, no long, are, are now a distressed asset class, unless they're in, you know, a Miami beach or something where there's demand for travel, but traditional hotels are a distressed asset class. So they're being converted into these flexible assets um, through micro apartments. So that's been another really interesting kind of take that we've seen over the last few months, especially.
0: Does that change uh, a need for a change of zoning for usual hotel use in most areas?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's what these groups are trying to take advantage of because of the hotel zoning that's already in place for hotels. They do allow for short-term rentals without any true issues. Um, So I do think there's some zoning variance that needs to take place as well, but you know, they are zoned for the primary use case, which is transient stays, the short-term rental stays because of the zoning, the hotel zoning. So it allows some flexibility. um, And that's been really interesting. We've also seen some groups just buy you know we have one one partner of ours that uh bought a halfway house and it's converting that into a uh airbnb mm-hmm. apartment uh so it's been uh, it's really a lot of people to get creative uh in their asset and really unlock additional yield that they traditionally wouldn't be able to with just the you know long-term yield
0: very interesting where where do you see 2021 continuing to go I think we're going to see more of this adoption. I think the travel demand is is picking
1: up. Uh, I saw a stat um, a few days ago where uh, February uh, of this year had the highest single monthly booking rate of new travel dates uh, in in the history. Um, so it was up forty percent than any other previous February uh, in the number of new reservations, bookings made for travel now, not in people staying in properties yet, but making reservations to stay in the future. So I think 2021, you know, by I'm guessing July 4th, uh, the floodgates are going to open for travel. Um, and this type of asset is really going to be able to capitalize on the opportunity that it missed out over the last 12 months. Um, and I think it's going to be, uh, a fun summer in that respect. Um, uh, but, uh, I think past 2021, I think that's going to be more of a standardized way of people of the way people live and travel in these, um, in, in short-term
0: and midterm rentals. You know, Amir, I always enjoy having you on the show. So I appreciate your time today. And It's always interesting to see how different classes, um, stand up to the test, right. And when things yeah. come up that are unexpected, how certain classes really, faced a different narrative, right? So like we had for retail and uh still seeing, and of course, offices. Absolutely. Said, but then you look into multifamily and the way short-term rental is going. And there was so much uncertainty, but now it's become, you know, they become really darlings of, of, of the real estate world. And so as we continue to see that, there's gonna be a lot of money flowing into it. I'm, I'm very excited to see what you're doing. Very excited to see what uh data at rabu.com is going to really provide a really good, useful source for people to get out there and um, really just take action, which is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and th- that's our goal with the tool is really to educate uh, investors on the opportunity of this new asset class. It's not—I'm that going to call it this a new asset class, but it's the standardization of and creation of this new asset class. Short-term rentals and vacation rentals have been a while, around for a while, but they—I ha- think the the potential of it hasn't truly really been captured yet mm. because it's 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 a little bit more of a, a operationally intensive process and they're harder harder to underwrite. Yeah. the units are. And that's what we're trying to solve for with this tool. We want to educate the market on the opportunity of this asset asset type.
0: I love it. Well, Amir, thank you again for coming back on. It's always good to see you. Congrats on all the success. Congrats on everything you're doing here, man. It's been looking forward to the fourth time when I, when I see the next change of a positive narrative going there in the uh, short-term rental space. So for everyone who hasn't, of course, we'll put in the uh, show notes prior episodes, but best way to reach out to you Yeah, they can reach out to me directly.
1: I'm 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 an open book when it comes to this stuff. I love it. Uh, My email is emiremir E-M-I-R, at Rabu.com. Please feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. Uh, It's it's my goal to educate uh, investors on this opportunity set and I'm really passionate about it. So always happy to answer any
0: questions. And I think you're an inbox zero person. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So uh, I love it. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Amir. Thank you so much again for coming on the show for all the listeners there. Think about all the different opportunities you can do with your properties. When you find value, you can really increase your value doing a tremendous amount of things. We talked about short term, but now midterm, right? A whole different pers- perspective of how you can treat your rental and how you can really help the customer, which is really how we all benefit, right? So, Amir, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you to all the listeners. We'll talk to you shortly. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal in just a few days? We're breaking down our entire process step-by-step at a three-day event happening June 10th through the 12th called, you guessed it, Multi-Family Live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, We're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.